Good morning and Boker Tov. Welcome back to our Living with Emuna series. It's great to be together again. And as always, I want to thank our Emuna uh, series for the year sponsors, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, deeply indebted for your, uh, for your generosity, who sponsored the series in memory of our dear and beloved friend, Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabba, Baruch Tzvi Ben Ruvay Nassan, who was an embodiment of all the things that we learn about and teach about. The truth is, each and every week, I could just stay here and tell stories about Brian Galbit, and that would be the ultimate, uh, the ultimate lessons of living with Emuna, living with Emuna, and leaving this world with Emuna. He was and continues to be a great source of inspiration to all of us. Also, want to thank our dear friends Sal and Leslie Abadi, in honor of their children Joey and Marissa Abadi, Abadi, and their expected baby. Please, God, should be healthy and happy and well, and give them lots and lots of nachas. Please, God, from all of their family. We continue with Living with Amuna. We've been learning this amazing piece by Ravita Schwartz, the author of the Bilvavi Mishkan Evne. And he has been teaching in these trying times and in all times, happy, sad, easy, and difficult, how we can feel the presence of Hashem, His guiding hand on our shoulder, His loving embrace, His support, to be able to lean on Him as we go through life, as we go through life. I saw a beautiful pshat. I think it was from the Amshan of a Rebbe. We say Mizmor David, Shalashudas, we say it on Shabbos, but chapter 23, Psalm 23, Mizmor David, Hashem Ro'i Lo Echzar, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. So I saw two interesting uh, pshatim before we even dive back into what we're studying together. Hashem Ro'i, God is my shepherd. I'm a sheep. I'm simply a sheep. I'm simply a member of his flock. He is my shepherd. The shepherd's job, the shepherd's role is to protect the flock, is to lead the flock. And the flock can be, have a sense of assurance and comfort knowing that the shepherd is in charge. So Hashem Ro'i, we declare, Mizmorla David, Assam of David, Hashem Ro'i, Hashem is my shepherd, Lo Echsar. The simple translation is that if Hashem is my shepherd, Lo Echsar, I'm not lacking anything. I'm not missing anything. But the interpretation I saw was, Hashem Ro'i, God is my shepherd, Lo Echsar, may I never be missing that notion that He's my shepherd. What lo echsar, what I hope I'll never be lacking or missing, is not a nicer car and a bigger house and more money. It's not lo echsar, may I never be lacking the material things that I want and crave. The lo echsar, what I hope I'll never be lacking or missing, is a sense of Hashem ro'i. To go through life with a confidence, to go through life with a palpable, almost tangible feeling that He's my shepherd. I don't ever have to worry. I don't ever have to wonder. I don't ever have to be nervous or anxious because I know that all that's happening is by design, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, whether it's pleasurable or painful. But one thing I know is it's not chance or randomness. Hashem Ro'i, He is my shepherd. And Lo Echsar, my hope, my dream, my aspiration of Lo Echsar, may I never be lacking in a sense of Hashem Ro'i, that He's my shepherd, that I take that deep breath and I realize, let go. Whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. He is shepherding me through this. That's how we use it in a verb. He's shepherding. He's the shepherd, and he's shepherding me through. God forbid a loved one of mine is sick, and I'm davening for their recovery. I have financial concerns in a, the, the terrible uh, negative uh, economy. I'm worried about how I'm going to make the simcha. Whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm going through, Hashem Ro'i, He's my shepherd, and He will shepherd me through it that I don't have to worry. And Lo Echsar, my hope and my dream is Lo Echsar, that I'll never be lacking or missing in the confidence that Hashem Ro'i, God, you're my shepherd. Tell me where to walk. What do the sheep do? 
They fall in line. You ever watch sheep? You ever watch the herd? They fall in line. They're obedient. They're compliant. They walk as a group. Hashem, I'm falling in line. You're my shepherd. I'm following you. Tell me where to go. You're going to shepherd me through whatever it is that I'm facing. And I know there will be a tomorrow. I know there will be an other side. I know that there will be, as long as I have a breath in my lungs, as long as I'm here in this world, you will shepherd me through to the other side. I know, Hashem Ra'i, Lo Achsar, may I never be lacking that. And then we say, Shiftacha um Mishantacha, Heima Yenachamuni. Mishantacha, Shiftacha is the staff, and Mishantacha, Mishantacha means that which I'm Mishan, that which I lean on. Heima Yenachamuni. So the Amshan of Rebbe says, what does it mean? Mishantacha, Heima Yenachamuni. May the fact that I can lean on you be a source of comfort to me. So it means that not when everything turns out okay, but even when it's not okay, and I need to lean on you. You know, you don't, need to, you don't need to lean on someone when everything is easy. When you can balance yourself, when you're stable, when you're upright, when you're strong, you don't need to lean on someone. When do you need to lean on someone? When you feel imbalanced, when you feel unstable, when you feel like you're going to collapse, when you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, when you feel like you're falling apart, that's when you need to lean. That's when we lean on loved ones and family members. It's when we lean on friends. We need to lean on somebody. So Hashem says... Original one to say it, lean on me. Hashem says, lean on me, and I will keep you strong. Lean on me. Umishantecha, the fact that you, Hashem, are my mishan, I can lean on you. Hema yinachamuni, that's what comforts me. You know what comforts me? Comforts me, what is comfort? Comfort doesn't replace what I'm missing. Comfort doesn't bring a loved one back to life. Comfort doesn't put money back in my bank account. Comfort doesn't put the world back to normal. But you know what comfort does? It says you're giving me the strength you're giving me the courage to be able to get through this to endure. So, Mishantecha, the fact that you are my Mishan, that I can lean on you, Heima Yenachamuni, that's what I take comfort in, that's what gives me comfort, that's what comforts me. It gives me the strength, it gives me the capacity, it gives me the courage to be able to get through whatever I need to. Anyway, I happened to see that last week, so I want to share that with you. Hashem Ro'i, Hashem, you're my shepherd. And therefore, Lo Achsar, may I never be lacking or missing and the presence of mind to know that you're my shepherd and you will shepherd me through whatever it is I face. The fact that I can lean on you, may that itself be, uh, be a source of great comfort to me. Okay, all that is point number one. Point number two is, I tell you, uh, I've said countless times, how our family, and I've encouraged you to have a family WhatsApp, Hashkacha Pratis WhatsApp group. Following, again, the inspiration of Yaakov Kamenetsky and Moshe Feinstein and others who said, if you want to grow your bitachon and emuna, if you want to grow with a mindfulness and a consciousness that Hashem is involved in your life, then train yourself to see Him as involved in your life. And there's no better way to train yourself to see Him than to see Him and record it, write it down, share it, scream it from the rooftops or tell it to your closest confidant, but tell people and articulate and record how you see Hashem in your life on a regular basis. So when I first learned that, I've shared this countless times, we started a family Hashkacha Pratis WhatsApp group, and it lay a little dormant as we were living on top of one another for a while, but it's back active and alive. Uh, families posting all kinds of things that they experienced amazing Hashkacha Pratis. So I'll tell you a great one from this week, and then we'll get back to the text. I share it not because we're better or different, but hopefully trying to uh, inspire and ignite uh, a fire in you to do the same with one other person or with your whole family and simply as you live your life. It, it changes the reality of the way you live. You're not living in, in black and white. You're living in high definition color because throughout your day you're looking to see, mm, is there a story I could put on the chat? 
Is there something, a voice note I could leave about where I saw and how I felt Hashem in my life today? And the result is to go back and to look and to listen to all of those and realize, wow, look how involved he is in our lives, in our family. Look at the good and even the bad and the ugly. It's all, it's all from Hashem. So last Friday, Last Friday, my beautiful mischievous son and his sister were in the backyard, and we have a uh, outdoor speaker that sits under a piece of outdoor furniture to protect it. It sits on the ground under that outdoor furniture, and it's the outdoor speaker. If you're outside, you can listen to music. But they decided to lift it up, the speaker, and to put it on top of the chair, the piece of furniture, and to torture their mother to keep making it louder and to keep turning it on, to keep turning it off, to keep changing the music on it. And they were having a good time as beautiful mischievous children might. And they left the speaker there on top of the chair, and I would normally be upset. Why'd you touch it? Why'd you move it? Why'd you lift it? Why didn't you put it back? But you may remember this past Friday afternoon, Boca Raton was struck by 55 mile an hour winds and a torrential downpour and hail and most of the other plagues, the likes of which I've never seen before. The rain was going down, upside down, sideways, and in every single direction. The street flooded, trees were down, branches were down. It was literally like a hurricane. And when it was over and we looked outside, we saw the expensive speaker was not sitting on the ground where it would have been sitting in a lake of water and destroyed and need to be replaced. But the Hashgacha protest that the mischievous kids chose to be mischievous, specifically on that afternoon, and lift that speaker in a way that actually saved their parents lots of money. Lots of lessons to be learned. Number one, don't always be quick to react and get angry. Maybe even the mischievous child is doing you a favor, even if you don't see it in the moment. But number two, again, Hashgacha protest. What hashkacha pratas? That was the day they chose to be mischievous with that device in a way that actually saved us that device because otherwise it would have been underwater and utterly destroyed. Okay, back to our text. So what we, the Bilvavi has been developing the idea that bitachon is when we realize the best version of ourselves, which is the godly version of ourselves. When we recognize that the external version of ourselves is engaged in a battle from when we wake up in the morning till we fall asleep at night. Do I get out of bed and what do I eat healthy or unhealthy and do I say that gossip and will I be late and can I concentrate in shul and what will I wear and even before we started our day we've battled and we are exhausted and that is the external sense of self. It cannot help but battle. It's battling coronavirus, it's battling economies, it's battling uncertainty, it's battling everything in the world. Battle, 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 fight, fight, fight exhausted. But there's an internal voice, a better sense of self. There's the Tzalem Elohim, the godliness in us, and it knows that the world is operating in harmony, and there's no such thing as a battle. Not the red light, not the delayed flight, not the canceled meeting, not the bad news, not the updated data, not the... There's no such thing, because the whole world is operating in harmony, because it's operating at the will of Hashem. So when I live my flustered, chaotic, frustrated, anxious, envious, arrogant life, that's because I'm only listening to my external voice and I'm only fighting that outer battle. But when I listen to that internal voice, when I remind myself of who I am and who I can be, when I look through the world of the filter that I'm a Tzalem Elohim, I'm a prince, a princess, I am royalty, I am a piece of God in this world and I see through that filter, I had that Lasek surgery, that I'm not making a choice of emunah. Emunah and bitachon are not a muscle I engage for a moment. They are actually a sense of vision, a filter, a way I look at the world and I see Hashem everywhere. I see a harmony to the universe. I'm never battling. So externally, and, and Rav Schwartz has been careful to iterate and reiterate this countless times, that it's not that one is fake or false or counterfeit and the other is true, they're both true. The external existence and the physical battles, they're all true. That's a reality. It's a dimension that we're living in. It is a perspective that one can see. It absolutely is true. It's absolutely true on the one hand. But it's also equally true 
that if we realize the internal voice, that we can live with a sense of calm and peace and tranquility, that we don't have to be envious of others, we don't get angry at others, and we don't live with anxiety about what will be, because we realize that best version of ourselves. So we talked about when you're lifting the cup to drink and it slips out of your hands. So we start and we operate. The default, the assumption is that my muscles will work and my joints will work and my grip will work and I can lift a cup and engage it to my lips and I'll be able to take a sip and I don't even give a thought to it. It's so natural. It's so taken for granted. It's such a given that I'm not even present in doing it because I just assume it. I just assume it. But a person who really thinks realizes that, you know what? Every muscle that responds to the neurological impulse from my brain, every time it doesn't slip out of my hands, every time I take a drink and I ingest and I digest and I eliminate the whole process from beginning to end, from A to Z, none of it is a given. And it's all only by the graciousness of God go I. And only when it slips out of your hand and do you realize I've lost my grip. I'm struggling with, uh, what's that called? Arthritis or I'm having some other problem with my fingers, with my grip, or the cup, or it could easily slip next time, or it splashed and it ruined my clothes. Only when it goes wrong do we realize how not a given it was all along, how by the graciousness of God go I. The truth is, there's nothing in our life that there's no equal and opposing force. I'm trying to lift the cup to drink. You know what the opposing force is called? Again, I'm giving the most basic example. This time I have a cup. I have my cup, my cup of now cold coffee, thanks to thermodynamics, entropy, now cold. I have my cup of coffee, and I lift it to my lips to drink. And the fact that I can lift it, you'll say, there's no hisnagdus, there's no opposition. That's the easiest thing. There's no battle. The answer is there is an opposition. You know what the opposition is to lifting the cup? A little something called gravity. Gravity is actually pulling the cup down while I am opposing that force by trying to lift it up. Who's going to win, me or gravity? Well, there's a difference between a 400-pound dumbbell and a cup of coffee. The cup of coffee, my life history has taught me that I'm going to win. Now, my eight-month-old grandson tries to lift the cup of coffee. It might as well be a 400-pound dumbbell for him. His history teaches him, or hasn't taught him yet, just teaches the people who have to clean up after him, that he probably won't win then, right? There, the gravity is still a much greater force on him. But I've lived my life 45 years now, so after the eighth month, I've been successfully able to lift the cup, and I say, ah, is there something challenging me? Is there an opposing force? Am I battling when I try to lift the cup to drink the coffee? If you would ask me that before I were learning this section, I would have said, absolutely not. But the more you think about it, yes, there's gravity, there's inertia, there's grip, there's the muscle and the fibers and the neurons and the joints, and there's a million things that I'm battling just to successfully lift a cup of coffee and take a sip and start my day and start my day. That's the reality. That's the reality. So a person needs to know there's only one thing on the entire planet, there's only one thing in the universe, there's only one thing in the cosmos that we don't have to battle. And you know what that is? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything, from waking up and getting out of bed, from lifting the cup of coffee, from everything of our faculties working, from things going on time, or everything operating the way we want, is a battle, 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 battle. There's only one thing that we don't have to battle. 
There's only one thing that has no hisnagdos, and that is Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the Almighty Himself. So you know what? Only a Kaddish Baruch Hu faces no battles. Only a Kaddish Baruch Hu, everything is exactly the way He wants, He wills it, is exactly the way He wishes. For human beings, for us finite mere mortals, everything technically is a battle. So when I live my life absent the consciousness that I need Hashem's help to succeed in anything I do, when I live my life with an arrogance and with an assumption that I'm not needing to battle even in some small way, then I'm actually competing with Hashem. I think I'm Hashem. I see myself as a God, as a deity, as omnipotent, as infinite, as if everything can happen. I can control the cup of coffee. I can control my spouse and children. I can control my colleagues and employees. I can control my rabbis and teachers. I can control everything around me. I can micromanage. I can control. I can exert power. I will make everything fall into place the way I want, the way I wish, the way I demand. You know what you're doing when you do that? You are actually a heretic. You're actually an idolater. You're a pagan. Who's the source of your idolatry, your paganism? Not some external statue. You're worshiping yourself. When you think you can micromanage and you can control and you're a dictator dictating terms to everything around you and you think that you deserve and you are entitled to live with no opposition, with no battling, not making space or room for things like gravity or for things like other opinions. When you live that way, you are competing with Hashem. You are denying or depriving Hashem. You are actually a pagan idolater. You're stealing. And you are relating in your imagination as if you have you're acting as if you have the power of God that you don't have to face the things that other people face like aging and like mortality and like gravity and like loss and tragedy and like nature if you think you're above it and you supersede it and you control it then you are actually competing with Hashem the first admission the first concession to belief in Hashem is to realize not only that He exists but also that he is unique, exclusive, and singular, that only for him is there no hisnagdus. Only for God is there nothing that he has to face or compete or confront. Only for God does everything happen the way he wants. For the rest of us mere mortals, from when we wake up in the morning until we fall asleep at night, and even throughout our sleep, to sleep through a night successfully, which the older you get, the more you don't take for granted. But even while you're asleep, I used to say from when you wake up till you fall asleep, because I used to sleep like a baby, but now I sleep like a baby, up every few minutes. You sleep like a baby. So even while you sleep, you can't take for granted. You're facing opposition in his nagdus, and it's not simple, and it's not easy. So a person has to know that only by the graciousness of goodness of God go I. Will I fall asleep? Will I stay asleep? Will I be rested from my sleep? Will I wake up? Will I be able to overcome the urge to eat the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing? Will I be successful in every effort, and every attempt, and every initiative I take? In everything I face, I have potential opposition and battle, and it's only with Hashem. And when I arrogantly think I won't or I don't have to, when I think I can control and micromanage, then I have knocked out God. And that's what Rav Schwartz is telling us, is a false sense of self-assurance and self-esteem and self-pride. If it just means I know what I'm good at and I'm grateful to God for those gifts and now I use them to advance His interest, then there's nothing wrong with it. 
But if I think it empowers me or it leaves me in some position that I don't need him or that I won't face any opposition to what I want, then it's a terrible, terrible mistake. So again, it's so critically important to understand and to know. I have inside of me two voices. I have my external voice, my animal voice, that thinks I'm in charge, I'm in control, I'm entitled, that sees me as battling all the things that are going on in life and that I deserve to not have to battle. I should be able to micromanage and control. And that is the inferior part of me. That is the worst part of me. That is the animal part of me. But I also have inside me at Selam Elohim. I also have inside me a unique and singular expression of Hashem in this world. Each and every one of us is a piece of Him. And Rav Tzadik HaKoyin writes in Sidka HaTzadik that just like a person, just like a Yid, a Jew has to have a Muna in Hashem, you also have to have a Muna in yourself. I, where do I get a Muna in myself? Moda'ani ends, Rabba Emuna Secha. My, your faith, God, is great. Whose faith is God great in? We have faith in God. Who does God have faith in? He has faith in us. If we woke up this morning, if we can face another day, then it means that Hashem has faith in us. So says the Tzidka Satzadik, Rav Tzadik HaKoyin of Lublin, if Hashem has faith in, uh, faith in us, then we should have faith in us. We should believe in ourselves and believe in our capacity and believe in our competence and believe in our future and that the best is yet to come. We should never stop believing in ourselves or having faith in ourselves or being hopeful and optimistic for ourselves and for what can be. Why? Because we have a Tzalem Elokim. Because we have a piece of Hashem in us. You see, to not believe in ourselves, in a sense, is not to believe in Him because He is inside us. That is the better voice that we're meant to be listening to. The voice of Tzalem Elokim. The voice of godliness. The voice that says, the voice that sees the harmony in the universe. That is the voice of Hashem. I saw a beautiful quote. I don't know who said it. I apologize. I can't give it attribution. The quote was, Every single person is a masterpiece because we're all a piece of the master. Every person is a masterpiece because we're all a piece of the master. That's the notion. You're a masterpiece. Believe in yourself. See yourself as being able to operate and engage the world with harmony, not always with friction and contentiousness and tension and battling. You are a masterpiece. And how can you know that? Because you're a piece of the master. Because you're a piece of the master. And so that's the Tzalem Elohim inside us. Tzalem Elohim, you're a piece of the master. See the world with the harmony in it. Don't battle and don't fight. So it means to say, what Rav Schwartz is encouraging here, is a level of mindfulness and consciousness which is at such a high level. It's really, really difficult to achieve, even more difficult to maintain and preserve. It's really, really hard. It means to say that when I wake up in the morning and I'm making the cup of coffee and I think I'm in control and I'm in charge, and I don't even anticipate that I have any tension in making the cup of coffee, first of all, to realize I do. There's something called gravity. There's something called the electricity to my carrot could go out. There's something called it malfunction. There's something called nobody refilled it with water and I have to fill it with water like I always do. There's a million things that could go wrong. So a person has to realize, first of all, that only for Hashem does nothing ever go wrong. For us, anything and everything could always go wrong. And the fact that it won't is not because of us. It's only because of the graciousness of Him. So that means that as I make my cup of coffee, in everything I do, I offer a shtikot tefillah. I offer a little davening. Hashem, help the cup of coffee go well. Hashem, I'm about to lift my cup of coffee. Let me not drop it. Let me not spill it. Let me not burn my mouth on it. 
which is essentially what the bracha is. Shakol, that everything, Shakol varo. That bracha, Shahakol, which is the catch all bracha that we say, it's not specific. Bread is Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. Fruit, Bori Priha Eitz, of the fruit of the tree. The vegetable, Bopriha Adama. All the other brachos are specific. This is the catch all bracha. Shahakol Nia Bidvaro. And why do I say the catch all bracha? Why don't I have a more specific one? The answer is because the shahakol goes not only on, not only on the coffee for my first sip, it's going on, Baruch Hashem, I didn't run out of K-cups, and I have the flavors that I like. Baruch Hashem, I put it in the machine and it produced, it worked. Baruch Hashem, I have a hot cup of coffee. Baruch Hashem, I'm able to lift it, and gravity doesn't cause me to spill it. Baruch Hashem, I didn't burn my mouth on it. Shahakol, all of this, all of this. The farmer who planted the coffee beans, the one who harvested it, the one who ground it, the one who produced it in K-cups, the manufacturer, the one who sent it on trucking and delivered it, the one who stored it, the delivery man who brought it to my house. Shahakol, shahakol, everything. Varo, it's all your will, Hashem. There were four billion things that could have gone wrong between the coffee bean growing from the ground and my taking that hot sip of coffee and it going into my mouth. There were countless, endless possibilities of ways it could have gone wrong and it went right. And for that I say, Shehakol, Yebetvaro. Hashem Shehakol. All those ways it could have gone wrong and it went right. So first of all, is a level of consciousness and mindfulness and awareness of what could go wrong. Don't feel entitled that everything has to go right. A lot could go wrong. But number two, the fact that when it goes right, it doesn't go right because you're in charge and you're in control. Okay, you can be proud. You remember to order the cups and you stored the cups and you bought the right cups and you plugged it in and you're careful and cautious and in the way you handle, the way you do, all beautiful and wonderful and take pride in your contribution. But in the end of the day, always remember and live with awareness that ultimately it's up to him. So first know that how much could go wrong and then acknowledge that what doesn't go wrong is only because of him. And therefore, you're never nervous because, and that seems contradictory, if I'm aware of all that could go wrong, won't that make me a absolute mess, debilitated, anxious pile of mess? The answer is no, because simultaneous to thinking about what could go wrong is trusting and recognizing with my godly voice, with the masterpiece, the piece of the master in me, all that will or can go right, because no matter what goes, no matter how it works, it is by definition right, because it's from him. That is our mission, that is our mandate, that is what a life of bitachon and emunah looks like. It's the level of mindfulness to remember everything that goes into this cup of coffee. Shachol. Nyebidvaro. Mikevan Shanashim Zormim. Bimahalche Achayim Balomach Shava is born in us. Most people go through the flow of life without thinking. Without thinking. Harvard psychologists found, I think it was 50% of the time that we're doing something, 49 point something percent of the time that we're doing something, our mind is actually elsewhere. Half of the time that we're doing something, we're thinking about something else. So half of you have me right now streaming on your device, but you're probably doing something else. That's what, that's what the statistics say, and that's probably why your cameras are off, and I don't blame you. You're multitasking, or you are actually doing something else altogether. I'm just joking. But half the time that we're doing something, we're actually doing something else. We're not present, we're not mindful, we're not engaged, we're not conscious, and therefore we're literally not hearing the people around us. They're speaking to us, and we're only hearing them at best superficially. It's not actually penetrating, we're not absorbing, we're not understanding, we're not thinking, we're not following up, we're not asking. It's not moving us and transforming us. 
Half of the experiences we have are only superficial. They're so shallow because we're multitasking, because we're not really present in anything that we're doing. That is a plague of our generation. It's the gift of technology, but the plague of technology. The fact that we're not fully mindful or present in anything that we're doing. We're struggling. And why is that? How come 50% of the time we're not present in what we're doing? Because 50% of the time we're on what we call autopilot. We're on autopilot. I'm making my cup of coffee on autopilot. I'm driving to the store on autopilot. I'm even talking and listening to you and I'm exercising on autopilot. I'm cooking on autopilot. I'm doing all that I'm doing on autopilot. And we're so proud of our autopilot as if it's an achievement. And to a certain degree it is. However, it's also robbing us of our presence, of our mindfulness, of our consciousness. It's robbing us of our relationships, of our experiences. It's robbing us on our opportunities and our transformation. So for most people, we think I'm on autopilot, face opposition when washing the dishes, opposition when driving to the store, facing his nagdas opposition when I'm lifting my cup of coffee. What are you talking about? What in the world are you talking about? I'm on autopilot. Not only am I not facing obstacles or opposition, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm on total autopilot while I'm doing it. But that's a mistake. It's a terrible mistake. So what does the autopilot loosely translate to? I'm on autopilot means I'm on auto. I'm on trusting in me. I'm on thinking I have it handled. I'm on thinking that I'm in control. I'm on thinking that it's all up to me, that I'm entitled to it going the way I want. That's what autopilot loosely translates to. I'm in control. It's all up to me. I've got it covered. I'm entitled to it happening the way I want. That's essentially what I'm saying when I say autopilot. So what happens? Only when you can't go on autopilot is when you start to turn your faith in Hashem. A loved one is waiting for a diagnosis, a lab report. A loved one, we're davening that they have a full recovery, that they get better. And there you say, well, I'm not even in the hospital room. I don't control the machine, I don't do the surgery. Not only am I not on autopilot, I'm not on pilot, I'm not on auto, I'm not on anything. That's when we recognize first that there's opposition. But you know, there's as much tension and opposition and possibility of things going wrong in my making my cup of coffee as there is in my loved one undergoing surgery. It's one I think I can control and the other I acknowledge and concede I can't. Our mission and our mandate is to realize that the success of the outcome of my challah, or the success of my drinking the cup of coffee, the success of my driving unscathed to the store, is no more a given, and the outcome is just as complicated as going under the knife for a serious surgery. Again, not so that you become panicked and debilitated and anxious, but the opposite, so that we realize all of the goodness that we have to rely on, that we recognize to trust and to rely, that the fact that we can lean on Him is the source of comfort in our life. That we need siyata deshmaya. What are the words siyata deshmaya? Deshmaya means of heavens, of Hashem. Siyata, siyua, means the help, the support of Hashem. I need siyata deshmaya to make a cup of coffee, to make breakfast, to get dressed, 
to go to work, we need Siyata Deshmaya to successfully accomplish, achieve anything and everything in our lives. And that's what it means to live a life of Bitachon and Amuna. It's not just to see Him when you need Him, but to see Him even or especially when you think you don't. Even when you think you've got it covered and you're on autopilot, to recognize you can never. As long as you're fallible and human, as long as you're finite and limited, you are never on autopilot. And we always need Him. It's a level of consciousness we can strive for together. It's a level of mindfulness that we could achieve to see the siyata deshmaya. That's what we learned. The Shalah said this on the parsha a few weeks ago. The idea of a Jew says, Baruch Hashem, and Be'ezras Hashem, and Achaste Hashem, and Baruch Hashem. We use that language, again, not, 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 not casually or callously. We use the language, hopefully, mindfully, when we say Be'ezras Hashem. Oh, I'll meet you there at this time with Hashem's help, with God's help. Why are we saying that? Because we're trying to remind ourselves that even that which we think is a given or we take it for granted, it's only with God's help. Oh, are you getting up off the couch? With God's help. Could you bring me a cup of coffee? With God's help. What time will you be with God's help? Everything is with God's help. Even that which we think is so simple, so insignificant. It's all with God's help. And again, if there's anyone who can appreciate how it's all with God's help, I sometimes feel like we're living the plagues one by one these days between this coronavirus and the pandemic we didn't expect, and then Friday, this incredible storm that nobody saw coming and the aftermath that it left in its way. And yesterday, a beloved family in our community experienced a tragedy. Their house literally burned to the ground. Thank God no one was in it and everyone is safe, but all their belongings, with the exception of a Sefer Torah that was housed in their home, and the Sefer Torah is in perfect condition. The fire didn't touch it, and not one drop of water of the fire department putting out the fire touched it. Inexplicably, the Sefer Torah is in perfect condition, though I'm very cautious in celebrating that fact because they lost all of their possessions. But each day, you don't know what it's going to bring. So anyone who thinks arrogantly that I can be confident and I can take for granted that tomorrow will be like today hasn't lived yesterday and the day before. Because one thing we're learning in our time is the humility of realizing, the absolute humility of realizing that I never know what's going to be. And there's nothing I can take for granted. And therefore, only by the graciousness of God go I. Kodesh Baruch Hu, continue, continue to shower your love. Hashem Ro'i, you are our shepherd. Shepherd us through whatever we go through. Lo achsar, may we never be lacking or missing or deficient in our recognition that Hashem Ro'i, that you are my shepherd. And whatever we go through, Mishantecha, even if a person's house burns to the ground or we go through loss, Mishantecha, may you be what we lean on and Hema Yenachamuni, may that be a source of comfort to us. Tonight at 9 o'clock, behind the bima. Dr. Jerome Groupman, amazing guest. You don't want to miss it. Behind the Bima, if you're watching on YouTube, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Wishing everyone a happy, healthy, and a holy and wonderful day.